Okay, so we're going to look at a scripture today that affects all of us as uh, spiritual house cleaning. Hebrews 12.1. Hebrews 12.1, if you have your Bibles. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so a great cloud of witnesses, let's also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask today as we talk about house cleaning, we're not talking about our neighbor talking about ourselves. Holy Spirit, you come. Remove that need, those things that need be removed from us. And Father, um, restore what needs to be restored in us. We thank you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, Hebrews 12, 1 is a, it's actually a, um, a great, I love this, it's a great uh, um, encouragement for us, especially when they're talking about the athletic mode. But the weight, I'm going to break down some words here. The word weight means encumbrance means anything that hinders you from running uh, your race that God set out for you, anything that helps you from uh, committing fully to God. We know some of them. I can give you some labels. How about anxieties? Do you know what anxiety is today? People are having anxiety problems. How about this one that I seem like it's happening in America? We seem to major on the minors. I call them trivial, trivial concerns. In my age, when someone comes to me with this concern and they think it's this and then I'm like, and I have to stop myself. I'm saying, so? Does it really ever matter? Think about it. You're caught up in something that really doesn't matter. Trivial. How about this one? Distractions. The weight of distraction. You ever talk to someone now in uh, 2019? You're talking to them and the phone's here? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. Oh, yeah, okay, got it. Uh, you talking? Yeah, whatever you said. I, 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 I distracted, and the phone rings, and all of a sudden what you're doing, and you can't get anywhere, and you're weighed down. And you know what happens? You, sit, you get so tired from the phone. You ever get tired from your cell phone? When you hear something come, you go, oh, and you get wore out just looking at it. What is that? Distractions. Now, there's a word here, sin. It says sin which... Cling so closely. Now, the word sin means something that constricts. Usually, easily entangled is a besetting sin. Now, some of the things that we can deal with that might be in your house. Greed. How about lust? Addiction? Hatred? Here's a great one. Pride. Now, something that clings so closely. Now, I'm going to date myself again. When I grew up, we had what we called chores on my door, me and Miss Donna. And every morning, I had to get up, had to clean the bathroom, and I had to dust everything because I had asthma. My mother made me dust every single day. And it seemed like I dust on Monday, and you figure you can take a day off. She won't not notice, and she comes home and goes. And I'm like, how did you get there so quick? So I would call it the dust devil. And I had to do it every single day. And that was preventive maintenance for me not to get sick. And when you look at that in the spiritual, we have to dust that which clings to us so closely and tangles us. We get entangled in things. We don't know we're in it until we get in God's word and he discovers you need to get caught up in something. And it builds if you don't. How many of you don't commit fully to God every day? Things start to build in your life. And it gets dusty, and you have no idea it's there. I can go to some of your houses right now and go, how about your car? 
your dashboard. When's the last time someone um, dusted their dashboard? No one's raising their hands. Bro, when this is all over, we're going to go take pictures of this. Okay. Oh, you didn't raise your hand either? I can't take a picture of your car. Neither did I. You can't see in my car. I got the dog. Anyway, but, <laughs> but dust. But you know, I looked at that. One of the biggest, I would say, sins in our lives, because anything that's not faith to sin is unbelief. You ever let unbelief cling to you on it, sometime on a daily basis? Somehow, the God of the universe, who created all things, created something out of nothing, is not great enough to help me through my little problem. And unbelief comes, and the unbelief makes my problem bigger than God himself. And it clings to you without even knowing it. Your language is, you give up. In fact, your language is talking about how I can get out of this in a worldly sense versus what God said. Anybody deal with that? Well, the Bible, like I said, when we look at it, the Bible says, lay aside, which means throw it off, throw it out, get rid of it. To redo anything, get rid of anything, throw off anything that will, what? Reduce your commitment to God. Because this pas- passage is amazing. It's about endurance going in a long, on a long term, a marathon, not a sprint, but a lifetime to walk with God. And when you look at the very beginning, it says, therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, a lot of us spend time that we have people in the stands, they're cheering for us and cheering for us, but we kind of miss one point of that. It's not about us or them looking at us. It's really about us looking to them. What do you mean? Looking to them, those in Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith. Where do I find them? In my Bible. I look to them, and when I look to them, I learn how something takes place. I start to grow. And as I start to grow, I struggle less with a cluttered house or a cluttered heart. Think of your heart as your house is a heart. James 1.21 says it's so amazing. It said, therefore, put all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with the meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, James is talking to people in the church, not outside the church. Look at it. The implanted word, talking about this word. When it's implanted in me, this starts to grow in me, and it starts to fill the room in the house up in me so it won't fill up with other things. Am I making sense? And what he's saying is, for us, here's one of the areas, for us to continue to keep our house clean, we have to have a teachable spirit. What do you mean? Receive it with meekness. A teachable spirit. What? I got to receive God's word without resistance, disputing, or questioning. How many know when you read the Bible, it always seems to read you, but the other way is God does things a whole lot different than you? Amen? Like, what, is this, what does he mean about love your neighbor? I'm going to love your, well, love your neighbor, but also what does he really mean, love your enemies? Really? Love someone who has a gun to my head. Is that easy? No. Now, but you, you have to be careful. When you, read the, when you want to read the word, you know that process through your brain, and you start coming up with your own theology. Because what we'll say is, I'm called to love them, not like them. You ever hear that? 
How about this one? God won't give you more than you can handle. Well, that's a lie because I'm hard to handle. <laughs> you know, the hardest person, in, the first thing in leadership, you got to lead yourself. So I need the Holy Spirit to lead me. So don't, don't, don't fall for that. Uh, I prayed and he didn't come through. I, I mentioned Jesus' name and where is it? According to whose will? Your will or his will? Why are you going to pray for something that might kill you? But we take the Bible, the objective word, and we put it in our subjective brain, and we spit it out and say, okay, God is on my side. No, 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 no. You got to do it with meekness. It's implanted in your word to save your what? Your soul. I can't save myself. And that's a daily basis. Left without this word every day, you know what our thoughts look like when you get cut off in traffic? You know what you're thinking? You wish you had a 357? You're thinking it. And someone planted in your hand? Oh, my gosh. Right? So when we look at that, to be able to throw it off, to get rid of it, I need to flush it out with God's word. Why? Because I have to grow. A marathon runner, you grow. You know, it's not a sprint. Oh, I'm done. I got saved in that sin. It's a marathon. You run. Right? And I, I got to throw off anything, and if you think about it, brother, get rid of anything that keeps me from growing. Right? I don't see how today's runners do it. When I ran track, we stripped everything. We had no jewelry. We didn't have any of that stuff. Didn't have any, we had nothing, and we ran. Now they have this, and they look good, and they, you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And they look like a statue running. But I, I, we couldn't have any of that stuff on us. Even when we trained, we trained with weights, but we had to take the weight. For us, the game, we had no weights on. But you have to grow. God wants us to grow in a few things. First thing, if you take a note, he wants us to grow in your faith. How's he do it? Because in verse, the next verse, 12a, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Now, when you talk about the perfecter of our faith, the founder, he's the one that created our faith. He's the one that helps us perfect our faith and grow in faith because we can't do it on our own. But there's one, thing, there's one thing that always affects my faith. And I don't know if it does with you, but it affects my faith. Feelings. Emotions. You know how your feelings when you go through opposition and pain and suffering or if you've been rejected? Your feelings and your emotions can overtake the faith in you. Now, let me tell you about feelings and emotions. They make great passengers, but they're bad drivers. They make great passengers, but you can't have them drive your life. They're powerful, but they will fool you. Aren't you glad that we don't live in a world that we can do what we want or where we feel? We, you know, that's why we have a police department. So you don't do what you feel. Right? Feelings will become your new theology. You hear it all the time. I just got to let people know what's on my mind. Really? I hope Jesus is on your mind. I feel that, you know. It's got to be right because it feels good. Man, I tell you what. What feels good will kill you. I have a, um, I'm learning how to um, be a great Texan in my big backyard. Ms. Don is teaching me about nature because I'm from the city. And we have the, what we call this wasp catcher. And the wasp, they going around instead of building these nests so they won't sting us. And he come around, we have this nice bright thing and it looks great. It looks, oh man, this is a place I can land. I can come land here. And it smells good and it feels good. And then we sit there. That's how crazy we are now. That's how crazy I am now. 
It's sitting there, it gets stuck. Boom! And they're going, and I'm like, see? Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing and carrying on. Then God spoke to me. So that's what sin does. It'll make you, you, it promises you a lot and delivers zero. It feels good to be with this person. It feels good to be in this relationship. A lot of promises, no deliverance. And then when you, ha- when you attach yourself to that person, it'll kill you. It'll kill you. It is not biblical. It'll kill you. And, we can, and what happens with feelings, we add things. Right? We add words to the, to the story. We add this to the Bible. Well, you don't understand. No, 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 no. This is what it says, what it said. In fact, it's freedom if you go what it said, not what you feel. Yeah. You know, I feel that. And then when you got to go, you know, feelings, come on now. Everyone has feelings. They're the greatest thing, but they cannot drive your car. Yeah. I love what uh, John Maxwell said when we did the Timothy 2 project. The, the uh, engine has to be faith. To caboose is your feelings. When you put feelings in the front, you're in trouble. Because how many know feelings change? It felt good. You hear it all the time when you're talking about love. We, oh, I'm not in love with you any longer. I'm, I love you, but I'm not in love with, I'm so happy Jesus did not, God didn't define love that way. Hey, you know, um, I love you, but this cross thing, I'm not in love with you enough. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And we create this theology, and we don't grow. Second thing is uh, fruit. How many love fruit? How many love apples? Peaches. All righty. Now, God said this in words, John chapter 15, 16. He says, I have, you didn't choose me. I chose you to what? Bear fruit. Now, fruit is amazing in our lives. Fruit is what we're supposed to bear, and people enjoy the fruit, our fruit. Now, when people bite into you, what do they get? What do they get? Because the fruit's not for me, it's fruit for other people. Now, here's the greatest thing. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not even mine. But he wants us to do it. Now, when it comes to fruit, sometimes we struggle with this because we fight against what God wants to do in this matter. John 15, 2 says this. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that, he does, that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, here's the thing. I want to explain this to you. I have to let God, one, lift up. He's divine. I'm the, he's got to lift some things up in my life. One, to help me. But if it doesn't work, he's going to snip it off. Lift up or lift out. Now, here's the thing. We will fight God (laughs) for what he's trying to take out of our lives because we're so connected to it. And you're saying, what is the deal? How come it's not working out? For your benefit. You ever been there? You prayed for something. You you thought uh, you were hoping you were going to get it. Something comes close, and then something tears it up. And you go, Oh, my gosh. And then five years later, he's like, yeah, thank you, God, because I don't even know what's good for me. Now, the other one is, we don't like this part, pruning. Now, the word prune means cleanse. I got to clean you up. Now, I love crepe myrtles. Again, I'm learning. Crepe myrtles in the fall, 
I mean, in the summer, beautiful. You know what makes them beautiful? You prune them. You get them so down, they look like, in the winter, like, there's nothing going to grow on this tree. And then the summer comes, you look very intelligent. So why? Because it produces more sprouts and more flowers. Because we prune. When God wants to cleanse you, look at, listen to me. When he wants to cleanse you, he wants to make you better, not bitter. But you got to let him cleanse you. What does that mean? He, has to, he wants to change your attitude. He wants to change your character. But you got to let him do it. Every time I go deep in God and the word, he goes deep in me about some of the things in my life that needs to change. I can't walk, I don't have, I can't, I don't have the, um, I don't have the uh, freedom to say, I'm just going to be who I am. I can't. Identity in Christ, but I can't portray that, even if I wasn't a pastor. Because he's about changing me, not me changing him. I can't take the word and put it in my context. I got to let the word, I got to take my character and bring it out of the the God's context, the word's context. Make sense? Because people need to know that Christians are real. And there's something different about us. If we act like everyone else in the world, what is that? That's no good. It really isn't. He called us to grow in fruit. Now, here's the thing. Check your fruit meter. When people bite into you, do they want to be hang around with you? Do they really want to hang around with you? Do you have something that, to encourage them with? That's a hard question. No one's arrived. It's a marathon. But if you don't let God do what he's going to do, you're going to be stuck what you want to do. And nothing worse falling short of all the things that God has for me. And to do that, there's a lot of pruning. I think I have some great things going on. He says, watch this, snip. And he makes it greater. And he said, oh, you don't even think you arrived, Rich. Snip. He had to, I got to cut it off. Some of you got relationships right now. You need to snip it. You need to prune them. You need to cut it off. Because they're not going to be good for you. Make sense? Last one is this. Family. He wants them to grow in family. Now, how many know that's hard? How many know we have family? How many know you have some family members like, maybe once every five years we have Thanksgiving together? And God says, no. Where do I get that from? He said, let us run. He didn't say, let me run. The individualistic society we live in, me and Jesus. No, no. He said, let us run. Everyone say, let us. Okay. Running with endurance, the race that's set before us. Now, whenever you join up up with Jesus and you get born again, he puts you in a family. Now, usually the family does not look like you, think like you, talk like you, have different values than you on purpose, by design. And you can't run off and say, well, I'm going to find me another lane. I'm going to find me another race. No, that's the race he puts you in. That is the family he puts you in. You can't find your own, you can't find your own way. See, here's a question we have in America. We, got, we get confused. God, what would you have me to do? You forgot half of it. God, what do you want me to do for you? And usually it's in family who don't look like you and talk like you. And everyone has different. Y'all family here? Everyone got a different language. 
When I talk about certain things, I got those who, um, who are graduating college in 2022 have no idea what I'm talking about. If I talked about a phone booth, they're like, where is that? Oh, YouTube. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. That's, sorry, Rich, Pastor Rich. Maybe they had horse-drawn uh, carriages in those days. You know, the dial phone without an answering machine. Now, some of us get in, some of them like, you're out of your mind. That existed? And what are you going to do without your cell phone? What? You, you mean we never had, we, we've always had cell phone, Pastor. Which one are you talking about? When I was eight, I had a cell phone. See? Different languages. And then when you talk about, well, I can't talk about spanking because I'm, now I'm live. I might get arrested. <laughs> it's not about that. It's family. He set before us. And what it makes us do, every preference, every prejudice, everything that you have in you will be run out of you. Every perception of people will be run out of you that you didn't even know was there. You thought you loved somebody until you met, until you, until you, uh, met them. You know, we all got to them, right? This is what Jesus said. This is what God, I mean, Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4. He said this, Let all bitterness, wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice, that means evil intent. But be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, NIV says this, get rid of bitterness, get rid of wrath, get rid of anger, get rid of clamor. Are you on that list? You got to let them get rid of it. Right? Now, here's the greatest thing. If you don't get rid of it, you're not able to run effectively. Together. Not alone, together. Right? Now, here's the thing about this, too. The word forgiveness is a powerful word. God gave us forgiveness to fix things. Society is dying because of unforgiveness. Think about it. Tenderhearted, love one another, kindness. We are caught up in our own world about no one, I'm not supposed to forgive anybody, they're all supposed to run to me. That's not how it works. If you are forgiven, you forgive. You got to realize that. Now, think about our Lord and Savior. You beat me. Then you lie. You find all these false witnesses. Drag me down. Lie. Rail me. Put me on the cross. I'm God now. I'm God. Right? And my last part, my last seven words is, Lord, what? Because they don't know what. And how dare we, who never been beaten, who never been hung on a cross, say, no. Problem with that is, when you do that, you say you're the Messiah. What he did didn't count because I'm, I'm above that God. You don't understand. My, you know what they did to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. The same thing you did that someone did to you, you did to them about a week ago. And you walk, your whole life is built about getting back at people who don't even remember. You ever see bitterness when you have people in bitter circumstances and they're bitter and you ask them a question, they talk about what happened four years ago. They stopped growing. They can't even hear anything because I'm so mad at them. Really, there's people in that won't even come to a, to a church because they're upset with someone someone did to them 10 years ago. 
Like who remembers? Two, you're not the Messiah. If you forgot you are forgiven, maybe you're not saved. Because it talks about being committed to God. The more I'm in his word, church, the more I'm going to be like him. Can't be like me. I was bought with a price. Can't be anymore with me. Here's the thing. If you don't learn to grow in those three areas, people are going to leave you behind. And they'll start to feel sorry for you because you're still caught up in your own little world. You know people like that? Family is amazing. I have some amazing brothers in here. We met yesterday. Even though they all got different ideas about sports, I'm still praying for them. <laughs> but I love these brothers. I love Elder Terry. When I see him every day, it picks me up and encourages me one another. I can't run this race without him. I wouldn't even be in this race without him. Wouldn't be in any car without a lot of folks here. It's what a relationship does. It's family. Are we different? Oh, yeah. The only thing we really agree on a lot, Jesus is Lord and we love steak. That's it. That's it, babe. We got a high, yeah, that's it. We got a lot more, though, because we got more in common with Jesus than we do apart. But it takes work, and it takes me surrendering to Christ, and then we surrender to one another. That's your first part of growing up. If you're still having issues with the body of Christ who is not called to be perfect, then you're immature. You are. I'm going to be real with you. Because society right now is acting like babies. Aren't they? I mean, well, you get, and I'm, I got to be careful. What you, okay, what you upset about? I'm like, really? Really? Because <laughs> like, it's, it's just a sneaker. Stop it. You know what I mean? <laughs> is it worth your blood pressure going up and you taking pills the rest of your life over a sneaker or over someone? No. Are you going to be free? No, you're going to be bound. You won't grow. Anger will grow into your life, and when anger comes in your life, you can't shake it. Everything comes out of your mouth is negative. Negative. You don't know why I'm saying these negative things, because you have not submerged yourself in the Word and let the Word submerge in you. That's why you look to them. How did they do that? Being sawed in half. Didn't even see the promise. Really? Didn't even see the promise. And they still finished their race. No one's going to saw me in half. Now, it's going to be a coming day that when we say we love Jesus, we're going to be judged for it. That's coming soon. But God says we need to be committed, not casual to Christ. And don't make excuses why you can't. I learned this from me. The, the problem is never with the gospel. The problem is always with me. It really is. Jesus did everything he's going to do. What we're going to do as the, as the group's coming up, we're going to actually... And respond with communion. When we do communion, you start to remember the, pay, the price that was paid for us. And the greatest thing is, when you realize the price that was paid for you, you have a new perspective on what God calls me to do. God went through great lengths to make sure we have a faith to make sure we produce his fruit, not my fruit. And the first thing is that we have a family that's dynamic, that's beyond blood. It's an amazing thing. And he said, I'd use all these, these three things to grow you up, but you got to get rid of those things in your life that will keep you from growing. Rocky Gardens.
to now grow. You got to clear out the ground. And the greatest tool he's given us, each and every one of us, just take the, break the uh, elements and hold on. The greatest tool he's given me to clear the ground in my life of pride, clear the ground in my life of uh, hatred, or any besetting sin is called repentance. When I repent, my heart, which is cluttered with stuff, unforgiveness, bitterness, is cleared and is cleansed. David, the man of God, a man after God's own heart, when he sinned against Bathsheba, he wrote a psalm that he wrote in 50 and 51. He said this, key words. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, he's talking about creating me because you're the great creator. You can recreate which has been, that's been damaged in my lives. A clean heart means clear out my heart. Clear it out. Clear out the anger. Clear out the unforgiveness. Clear out the bitterness. Clear out those things. Why? Oh, God. So you can renew if you don't clear out, there's no renewal. The right spirit. What's the right spirit? The spirit that hears God. I can't hear God when I'm angry. I can't hear God when I'm walking in unforgiveness. I can't hear God when I'm in bitterness. I can't hear God when I'm walking in unbelief. I can't hear God when I'm not producing any type of fruit because I'm not sure what he wants me to do. I can't hear him. Repentance brings me back in alignment. What it was, We saw those pictures. Those pictures become clear. In the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of those things in our rooms, week by week, that God wants us to be permanently taken out of our lives, because I call them showstoppers. This is the beginning of a showstopper. We don't want to be our show to stop what God has for us. And there's no shame, because we're human. We all deal with it in a, in a way. As you hold on to the elements, we're going to take them in a few minutes, in a second. He said, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. What David was asking God to do is renew, restore, and transform my heart. As you have the elements in your hand, no about you, first I want to repent, God, of my unbelief. Whatever those things in my room that need to be cleared out, I repent. Let's take some time to repent to the Lord. After you repent, after you deal, if you had your husband and wife, do it together. Take the elements. I don't want to guide you on this because everyone's at a different place than I am. Take the elements, and what we're going to do, we're going to respond in worship. Remember what Peter said, I mean what uh, the young disciple said, John said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth, of the world. Don't hold on to stuff that he's already taken away. He calls to be free, not bound. He wants to have free, to have faith that's unimaginable. He wants us to have a family that's amazing. But most of all, he wants us to produce fruit to help others who don't know. Faith, fruit, family. As you take the elements, we're going to finish in worship.